Hello, I am Cody Allingham, and this is the Transformation of Value podcast. This show is brought to you by Swarbricks, the first law firm in New Zealand to accept Bitcoin for legal services. The team at Swarbricks are Bitcoiners, and they are knowledgeable about the legal aspects of Bitcoin in New Zealand in areas like estate planning, property, and trusts. Swarbricks offers a 20% discount for services paid in Bitcoin. Find out more at swarbricks.co.nz bitcoin. Now, today I talk with Paul from BitKiwi, who are organizing New Zealand's premier Bitcoin meetup events. We talk about focusing on proof of work in your personal life, unplugging from the utter distraction of legacy media, and really asking fundamental questions about the future state of government and society. As the ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, no man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. There is nothing permanent except change, what does this mean for us? How does Bitcoin play a role in this new world? I do hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to get in touch with me, please send an email to hello at the transformation of value.com and I will get back to you. Otherwise, on to the show. And we are live, but as always, we talk shit before we actually start the episode. Just to get it, all the, the, uh, the bad vibes out of the room, it's part of my <laughs> feng shui procedure. <laughs> in work mode you you have been too by the sounds of it yeah conrad's big on the feng shui thing eh? he talks about it a bit oh yeah oh, wait. is that what it, yeah feng shui feng, feng shui feng shui feng shui yeah i don't know how to say it but um i think that means wind water feng is wind and shui is water in chinese so mm sort of the the elements and the flow of a place is there actually like a maths to it or is it really just a feel i think it's a feel it's yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm not an expert but um sort of uh, <laughs> kind of spiritual elements to it sort of you know the yeah. way a room is laid out the direction of the room um that's actually i think been used to plan cities as well really as an urban methodology yeah I think like the ancient capitals of China and even I think Kyoto, like the ancient capital of Japan had yeah. feng shui in its kind of layout and direction and orientation and stuff. Interesting. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, man. How you been? Yeah, good. Yep. Getting through it. Yeah. Getting through life, putting the proof of work. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to someone about this recently. Um just how profound the idea of proof of work is um, yeah. as a as a, an operating uh, modus operandi for uh, you know just your career your you know, your work your family everything it's um, it's pretty solid mm. it's great I love it yeah it's there's there's a lot to it it really you can keep expanding on it, it seems like a simple concept but actually you can see it filter through in so many aspects of life. I've told the story before, but I've said that there was a work, like a way day thing and a team sort of building and they went around the circle and asked everyone to name something in their life that was important to them and explain why. And when it was my turn, I said the concept of proof of work and I explained it and then gave a few examples based on what the pre people who had been before me had said and why what they had said had an element of proof of work to it. And people found it really interesting. We ended up talking ages about it. People found it was quite a interesting concept. And we talked about it a lot. And it was really great. And I never mentioned Bitcoin once. 
I just just introduced them to the proof of work concept, and it's almost by stealth I was introducing them to a Bitcoin principle, which was great. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's been interesting, man. Like in a funny way, I, you know, I've been heads, heads down working on the podcast uh, and a few other projects, but sort of it's become quite normalized now. You know, just getting stuff done and and working away on on projects, and I don't know. I sort of almost don't have anything to say about it. It just sort of, it just is, mm. you know? So. Well, what I was explaining to them that day was that a few people who had went before me named objects that meant a lot to them. And there was a connection where every object had huge proof of work in behind it. And so I was explaining the idea that something is vastly more important to you if proof of work has gone into it rather than you were just given or gifted something. Or even if you were gifted something that had a huge amount of proof of work behind it, a lot of the value you placed in it, whether you were conscious of it or not, was the work that went into either creating or preserving or um, increasing the value of that particular thing. Um, and it's it's actually a natural thing, you know. Like there's no people talk about that phenomenon where people who win lotto and it's all gone within a year that sort of those sort of ideals and it's a huge hugely massive percentage of people that win lotteries the money is frittered away very quickly and i feel like there's, there's there was no work for it um i feel like if they'd worked for that money or got it through something important in their lives there would be a, more of a, a desire to spend it wisely or get more value out of it than just yay this windfall that i got for a two dollar lottery ticket yeah yeah a lot lottery tickets are a lot more than two dollars now, though, aren't they? Right. Right. Can, yeah, I'm can, sure they are. Can you still get scratches? Are they still a thing? <laughs> yeah, you can. I think. I think they still even have like one or two dollar ones. I haven't bought one for many years. So I have a bit of a um. I just this deep fascination with lotto as a system, as a a, a belief system. Like I just don't understand how people can partake in that. You know, like yeah, same. Uh, I never quite got that. I never understood. Um, and in a funny way, I mean, Bitcoin mining's a bit like that, though. Like, you know, are you, you, you going to get a block or not? You know, you got to be into win. Yeah, um, there's an irony there, isn't there? You're putting in the work by applying the energy to it. Well, the but other you may not get anything. The other day, Brains Pool um, got two two blocks in a row, which I thought was pretty pretty amazing. Uh, because yeah. usually it's only a couple of day that they get. Um, yeah, and uh, and then yeah, the, the following day, you know, it's just running. You know, hours, 12, 12, 16 hours and, and there was nothing. And it's sort of, I mean, you can understand the kind of the, yeah. the, the chance element of it. Yeah. But um, you never know at what point, you know, what if I just turned it off, you know, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, that one moment where the, the two blocks <laughs> side by side. Yeah, sort of, I guess you just have to wait out that long term law of averages, eh? Yeah, maybe well, it's, it's better not to check everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, over over the long long enough time span, it, it evens out to be pretty much mm. proportionate to mm. the, the the percentage of the hash rate that the pool has. But in the short term, you know, you get really good days, you get bad days, mm. and I mean, what I've learned is you just need to be on twenty four seven. You know, you can't yeah. you can't time it. But it is interesting with with brains. You you see a, a huge dip. Which I imagine is probably northern hemisphere, uh, nighttime, uh, daytime. Sorry, when a lot of miners go offline. So I imagine a lot of them come back online mm. in the evening when they've got lower rates, mm. um, and it's summertime at the moment. And so it is quite a noticeable difference. Like if you look at the total, 
you know active miners in the pool so does that mean they get more blocks in the american night time when they've got more hash power getting oh. thrown at it well actually i don't know what it looks like though if you were to look at the total um number of miners you know and the, you know the mm. total hash rate um i have i'm not sure what that that is but in terms of brains is hash rate it, it definitely dips down at, at mm. a certain point which kind of is quite convenient because it, it's you know we we're, we're the opposite here mm. so you know i'm just running through you know all the, all the way through um but yeah whether there is a global change sort of hour by hour sort of or throughout mm. the day i haven't actually looked into that but it would be interesting to see there's a whole world of analysis in the array i've well, I've not really got into it that much, but I'm not, to I'm, miners and I'm not a numbers person, as you know. So I, I can appreciate that they, they are important, and I can look into some of it. But some of the more abstract correlations are just quite—I don't know—they're quite challenging. Mm. You know, sort of. Thankfully, you can pr- apply simple principles, similar to just not worrying about the Bitcoin price and just stacking it and putting it in your cold storage. In the same way, you can apply a simple principle. You know what? I got a miner. I don't want to get into all this analysis. I'm just going to leave it on and I'm going to come out with the law of averages. Yeah, well, you just take the variable out of it. You know, if you've got the miner going, it's like that. You've just removed that variable from the equation. It's not, yeah. not relevant anymore. Um, the only things you can actually control um, are, you know, the hardware, that you've, you know, the way what you've got set up. Um, mm. You know, have you got it, you know, cooling efficiently? Have you got um, a, good, uh, a good setup for the hardware? And then have you got uh, good power rates? Those are really, mm. I think, I think those are really the only variables that matter, um, at, you know, to the individual. Mm. Um, and there's a few other things, maybe choosing a, a good pool, um, you know, making sure you're, you've got things optimized. But the the global trend, it doesn't really matter. Like mm. the, the difficulty will continue to go up. The thing that um, that I find quite interesting is it's because Bitcoin is still so such a new thing and it's changing so fast all the time. Is like seeing some of the discussion in the group around new things that have come out and new things people are trying like this all the pictures of this four fan system and all these cool things that just pop up like people are just innovating and things are moving so fast all the time if you switch off for a couple of weeks and come back there'll be something new that people are just picking up on and, and finding and it's and it's moving quite fast i love that that innovative side of bitcoin where people are just always plugging away at stuff yeah it's, it's sometimes it's interesting it feels like it's plateauing and but really what it's doing is kind of consolidating and then there'll be all of this stuff get announced. And, yeah. and it's, it, it, it's especially sort of in this, I don't know, kind of bear market or whatever you want to call it, but it's sort of like, oh, suddenly there'll be one day and just all of this stuff gets announced and it doesn't even make any sort of news because no one's really paying that much attention to it except for us. Mm. Um, you know, like, I don't know, people, people don't realize like there's a lot of... Um, foundational growth happening that isn't visible on the surface but it's mm. really strengthening the overall use case and a lot of things that are just taking time you know a lot of the uh, uh, etf stuff and all of that thing you know for better or for worse is, is just making its way through the system mm. and you know when it finally happens with blackrock or whatever and and whatever you may think about that like that will happen and that will be a thing mm. and one day it will just come online and then suddenly you've got institutional investment in Bitcoin at a large scale mm. um, via I've this. I've seen a lot of people claiming that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, I saw a great tweet about, um, you know, the game theory means that they have to be stacking in silence right now to try and get ahead of the game. And there was something like, 
some crazy number of the number of Bitcoin that's been withdrawn from the exchanges in the last month or three months. And then a lot of the activity, there's a lot of speculation. But I mean, I guess I've seen all that before and it hasn't come to much, but some of it's fairly compelling, some of the facts they cite. Do you um, do you follow much macro economic political stuff? Not or? really. Well, I guess I do without intending to, just because my feed is filled with so much of it. Um, it just invades the Bitcoin space a bit. Um, and I mean, to take notice of the local economy, directly impacting me um yeah, yeah I, I mean i've got a curiosity about it but i'm, I'm no expert don't know a lot of it what, what it all means yeah i don't know I sort of i've certainly taken a step back from kind of following it closely i mean it's sort of like yeah like when when's the recession really going to come that's sort of the big question right and mm. i don't know you can talk about it and, and it gets quite technical i think you know there's some very deep Mm. you know financial you know the stuff about bonds and and all of that and it, it is beyond me and so i think well okay there's 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 murmurings and there's you know things happening in this space and it's continuing to be mm. a, a topic but there's not really much that it's it's a bit like the mining there's nothing i can do about it whether the hash rate goes up or mm. down globally it doesn't matter to me i just need to keep my machine on um whatever happens whether it's a recession or you know, we, we have a big war or whatever. It really doesn't matter. I just need to make sure I've got my situation sorted here and I can't influence mm. that stuff. Yeah, I think I learned that lesson a little bit in 2008 and nine because oh, yeah. when all that sort of kicked off and it's the first time in my life as an adult that I was seeing these things go on and put a lot of thought into it and I was doing a lot of research and stressing about my own situation and job security and started planning for this and for that and before I knew it everything had just kind of happened around me and it didn't actually didn't actually impact me really at the time and so I thought oh god I feel like I wasted a lot of time on this when it was just kind of gonna travel and I should just actually I should have focused more on my own life and what I was doing and where I was going instead of feeling like the world was going on pause and I need to make sure I'm going to be okay I mean that is important but yeah, my hindsight was, geez, I wish I just carried on a little bit. Um, so I, there's definitely an element of that now with me. Having said that, I mean, I know they come up with these technical definitions and there's all this media spin and everything. But, I mean, to me, I assume that we're in a recession right now. I mean, just on the ground evidence around me, like costs of, well, I don't know about the term recession. And again, I'm not an expert, but... It feels like the economy is just in a massive problematic hole. Um, just the constant evidence of businesses just shutting all over the place and not many new ones starting at all. Um, the cost of living is, you know, it's insane. And and then, yeah, you see all these things from overseas. A lot of them I don't understand. But when you're seeing headlines of Evergrande or whatever, losing 90% of their stock value in a day um, and again like all this stuff about bonds and some of this i don't understand all these things very well but japan and this yield curve control um and you see all these things and the explanations i read of them and i think man these are like red flags all over the place and on the in the world economy um but then we're in a different position than we were 15 years ago in terms of the information we're fed so it feels like the pr machine of government and even just large organizations 
it's just an overdrive compared to 15 years ago and so you don't really know what to believe half the time and so I do often just resort to my own eyes and ears and what I can see right in front of my face happening around me you know like I used to get lunch regularly at two different places in Wellington and both shut you know we've we've we're organizing our next big Kiwi event and the event the company that owns the venue isn't gone as a liquidation so we're having to organize a bit of a backup plan um I was even quite surprised like Wishbone went under you see yeah. those places everywhere I mean to be honest I never really understood the business model that much but who was buying these $50 sandwiches well, it's it funny they used to have one up at the university and um, when I was there and, and even back then it was like a $15 sandwich and I was like man who's going to pay for I this I never got this yeah and they, they were losing um, they lost market uh, dominance to the Hare Krishnas which were like $5 ve- yeah. vegan cult meals but um, yeah but the, I, I never got it yeah I made a joke to a mate I was like what Wishbone's closing what am I going to do when I'm in the airport and I'm absolutely desperate for anything to eat now? <laughs> so I was thinking, is that the only place for this place was making money? But anyway, I joke. But yeah, there's just, you know, like I saw, you know, Epic Pale Ale used to be my favourite beer about 10 years ago. So they've gone into liquidation yeah. or they've been bought now, I think, by someone. But there's just constant evidence. I mean, you know, my kids are like, can we go to KFC? And I'm like, okay, shut. I'm like, what the hell? And I Google and they've changed their hours. 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. Up, up in my area and I'm like man that's crazy I work there as an 18 year old you know in the like, late 90s we, it was it was 10 or 11am to 11pm every night and now they've just limited the hours and it's all staffing like my local chemist used to shut at 6.30 every night and now it shuts at 5.30 for staff, because of staffing levels like this stuff is just all over the place everywhere I don't know if there have been many shops lately but the service is awful almost everywhere now um, and they're just under stuff and don't the staff don't seem to care i feel there's a general malaise there's yeah. a lack of productivity and innovation going on it just feels like a proper recession it feels like a recession yeah yeah well it's interesting you mentioned that so there's a couple of things one i think our experience at the surface level of you know retail shopping kind of consumer stuff I think for many people that's the yardstick that they judge things by because that's all they know mm. and I think in a way it's it's almost the wrong way to look at it because you know the the consumer experience is such a small part of of the economy really you know like I mean obviously food and and things like that you, you know it's, it's an, an essential but that's not that's not the money you know the money is is the big the big funds and the big movements of capital big investment um you know credit credit and investment uh, opportunities these kind of these kinds of things are where the real kind of engine of the economy is and so paying more for a coffee or you know paying more in the supermarket is so far down and so disconnected from the actual um kind of the money printing and, and all of that stuff that it's it's kind of like we're, we're looking at a symptom and and we're trying to guess the sickness uh, you know we're kind of working backwards uh, or for most people you know and they think oh you know things have gone up or they might conversely say oh, say things maybe haven't gone up as much as i expected you know maybe inflation's under control but what they're not seeing is this like you know asteroid that's hit that's on its way and it's about to hit mm. which is the the bigger um the bigger infrastructure challenges you know the bigger movements of capital you know the liquidity of of the nation state these kinds of questions which are a bit more existential 
But unless you actually understand stuff like the bond yield curve control in Japan, which I don't, you know, I certainly don't understand it, but there's people who I, I listen to who mm. I trust who some, you know, seem to think that this is going to be cataclysmic. Mm. You know, there's no way out of it. I don't know if you've sort of seen, seen some of that commentary, but, um, mm. you know, what does a normal person and what do I know about bonds, you, you know? Mm. Um, and so we're kind of looking, you know, the, the asteroids coming and we're sort of looking at the, the things down here on our, near our feet. And so this comes back to principles. So I got I got an episode coming out with Darcy, um, NZ Everyday Investor. I don't know if it will come out before or after this our episode really uh, goes live. But I was talking to him about sort of my principles and how I think this um, the, the stationary nature of a lot of people and sort of people being bound to something like a house or a, a career in in a, in a location such as New Zealand, that's actually probably the biggest liability because. When things do get tough, you're really going to be reluctant to uh, up and go. And I consider the ability in this kind of frothy environment to be able to leave and go and and kind of pick up work overseas and do that sort of thing as a real valuable skill set and Mm. that kind of dynamism. A bit like what you said about 2008. Like, honestly, you could worry about it all day long, but the best thing you could have done is probably... Well, you know, the best thing to do in a situation like that is just to put your head down and, and work hard and be ready mm. to handle whatever happens. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, that's a luxury I sadly don't have with uh, kids. Um, but it's definitely, that's definitely being being able to be nimble, nimble like that, I think, is a huge benefit to surviving or getting uh, getting through an economic shock well. Um, yeah, so that's, and, and like you've, you know, you've recently read The Sovereign Individual as well, you know, and you look at that as potential roadmap for the future, um, which would be great, where you've got actual locations and their, their local administration. And I want to say administration because I see it more as administration than governance. Um, but the local administration is trying to lure you to their area for your productivity and your um, to add you to their economy and compete for you. Um and I see that as a great future where you've got the right incentives rather than trying to trap you there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I, I had a um, – so I, I caught up with Darcy and um, so he, he interviewed me because um, yeah, the last time we did it I was interviewing him. But I, I, it, was, it was interesting because, you know, I, I have just read through so, The Sovereign Individual and, and a lot of those um, ideas, you know, I had already had seeded from different things and I'd already been thinking mm. about and um, – I came across, uh, you know, this idea that, you know, I think, you know, we're seeing the nation, the end of the nation state, and the ability to, to the ability to be nimble in that environment, um, and uh, as you say, you know, you got you got kids, you got commitments here, but there's still a degree of um, flexibility and nimbleness that you can still bring to that. You know, I think what the the opposite of that is where you're you're stuck in the old ideology mm. and the old way of doing things and you're reluctant to to let go of it and I think that's sort of becoming more and more clear to me now that like the old world is gone um, and it, and it, it died with COVID and um, that's not going to come back no matter how much we long for it and there will be massive failures of economies there'll be challenges there'll be periods of sort of stability that are followed by periods of instability but generally it will be a, a decline and a descendancy and the, you know the way I, I think of it it's like yeah you get as much bitcoin as possible have the ability to go and do what you need to do 
no matter where you're domiciled, don't be reliant on the the income your income being just from one country, you know. Mm. Um, and kind of, you know, you may exist here in New Zealand and physically be here, but if you your economic life is dependent on New Zealand, I think that's a risk, mm. you know, because, I mean, with what they're doing, destroying the rural sector, um, with some of the, the policies and stuff that have come out, and who knows, I, I don't even care anymore, but it's just like, I, I don't know, I wouldn't want to be relying on the New Zealand dollar in any capacity. Um, I sort of I think about it a little bit more positively, I feel that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty dark, right? <laughs> uh, and again, I mean, listen to me talking to you before. You probably sigh about talking about the internet and Bitcoin together all the time. But you know, the internet was a great sort of freedom enabler for a lot of places in the world and a lot of people. Suddenly, they could communicate or create things or do things using that protocol they previously hadn't been able to and so I see Bitcoin in the same way that we might get you know when you use the word decline I feel like in a positive light we might de- the role of government might decline which is a positive thing for me and it actually could be like you know a form of an enlightenment um, as we discover Bitcoin and move into those things and we establish great really good and an incentive structure that works um, that we don't have to fight against. And I think we could see a huge blossoming and great development. And I don't think it necessarily has to be a huge implosion. Like a, it doesn't have to be a phoenix rising from the ashes. I think it can be a, a positive transition where things tick up. Um, I, I really enjoyed, loved, in fact, your podcast with James Vigiano because he talked about some concepts that I hadn't, hadn't crossed my mind before around um, the adoption of Bitcoin that made me feel incredibly positive about how it could go Um, yeah I really loved that discussion because his view on it and the logic he applied to it I could really I really believed it I was like man this is he's he's mapping out a way forward that seems really logical and feasible um, and it could be really positive without the need for some kind of disastrous collapse anywhere yeah. Um, yeah I really enjoyed that discussion and it made me feel really positive and excited about the future with Bitcoin yeah well I think the as you know with me you know I have these kind of big picture ideas and I think I'm, I'm able to entertain multiple realities of of what could be uh, simultaneously and I think recently there's been a couple of people I've spoken with James Vigiano um uh, Jason Mayer as well with the mm. prog- uh, Progressives mm. case for Bitcoin and a few other people who certainly give uh, 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 the sort of more towards what, what you're talking about this kind of you know this uh, peaceful re- peaceful revolution in the way of the internet and it just sort of happens and it works and, and everything falls into place but then um, I've just been reading 1984 again and um, <laughs> I got I got I don't know if you can see it I got a little message up on my wall there I am a thought criminal um, <laughs> You know, as I think about, you know, just what could be and, you know, the ability of, of the state and the powers to be to, to want to mm. hold on. And that's when I, you know, I, I go on that direction. I think, well, they're not going to let go because it's not about money and it's not about wealth. It's about power. And so, you know, you corner that animal that's going to fight back and, I sort of flip between those two sort of realities mm. and, and where's the crossover between them 
when you enter into a weird time. The cool thing, though, about Bitcoin is it is so focused on the individual and, and sets incentives which bring about positives for the collective without you having to necessarily work as a collective or be on the same page. The, indiv- the incentives are at an individual level and then they bring great prosperity, I feel, for the group as a collective as well. And so the thing I feel good about with Bitcoin coming in and that kind of thought is the incentives are so aligned that the the powers that be that don't want to give up the power, uh, the incentives for Bitcoin are there for them too. And that's where I think I'm not too worried about that because they'll flip. I mean, like we, you mentioned BlackRock before, we can see what's going on there. They want an ETF. I mean, they they own a shareholding in four of the largest five mining companies in the world. I mean, they're in on Bitcoin. You hear what Larry Fink says. Yeah. And they are one of these power structures we're talking about. They've got a huge influence with governments. They're a massive, massive, are they the largest? Holder of, or to, what, a steward of capital? I don't even know what you call it. Uh, you know, they've just got cozy with our government. Not a big deal. And so yeah. they're, they're the epitome of the system we're talking about to me. That's and they're point. in on Bitcoin. Yeah. And... You know, they, they, they might try these kind of fiat games, price manipulation, you know, they'll try and corner this market. Um, they'll, you know, they get, try and get as close to a monopoly as they can try and be. They'll try all these things because that's the modus operandi. But the incentives for Bitcoin remain, the game theory is there, the, 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 the transparency and the public ownership of this being a, a public commodity is there and they can't break that. Like, I feel fairly positive that the, the big fight back will come from your Elizabeth Warrens and this fella on the OC or whatever that actor is who wrote the book recently yeah. who I really makes me laugh um, I feel like they'll be filtered down to individuals and actually there won't be many large organisations who are coming out as a group against Bitcoin because secretly they're all individuals they've all got the same incentives and that game theory is going to come for them too yeah yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I guess, again, you know, I balance it with O'Brien in the room, you know, asking how many fingers he's holding up, you yeah. know, two plus two is five. And, and I I want to believe that, you know, I want to believe that the math doesn't add up. You know, that's where these people exist. You know, the power corrupts mm. the mind. And I don't know, despite that, I mean, the BlackRock thing you mentioned, I mean, that, that, is, that is a really good point. But in the, in the midterm... What what does that look like? I, I I don't know. You know, if if you suddenly take take it away from people, take it away from from something like the government, the ability to print money, the ability to control the economy centrally, which they've taken as a god given right, um, handed down mm. to them, um, and, and so in in discussions we talk about the Reserve Bank, we talk about you know the New Zealand government, and I don't know. This is kind of the the hubris of of it all makes me think it's going to be a, a reality, a, a wake-up call for them when, when the time comes. And I guess that, that what we can maybe think about as well is that they're not going to see it coming either. And by the time they do, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the kind of sad thing for me is and, you know, they'll, they'll try all these things and eventually fail and they'll all end up in the same place with Bitcoin. And God, I just hope they don't cause so, too much pain trying to fight it, you know. And I know it's hard to... It'd be hard in those kind of realms to accept Bitcoin and then bravely 
convince your peers in these governments and large organizations and that, that this is the way to go that's a really brave step that i can't see a lot of them making but um but oh god i just hope they don't cause too much damage fighting oh, man fighting honestly uh, again we're, we're naive in new zealand but you look at the cultural revolution in China, you look at uh, the killing fields in Cambodia. I mean, the ability of the government to do the absolute worst thing for the for the people is pretty strong. Um, and, you know, what is it? You know, a corrupt leader, you know, would rather see the country burn than to let go of power. And I think, you know, whether or not we're in that here in New, Ze- in New Zealand is, is, is debatable. Um, but I think certainly in a lot of, a lot of the world... Um, you know they'd, they'd rather let it let it all burn to the ground and, and instead of giving up and I think that's sort of the that's that's the mm. challenge you know um, and so it almost needs to swap swap in and swap out relatively quickly and seamlessly you know if it becomes a protracted um, political thing and people start trenching in and, and you get this sort of stalemate um, and this fight and this this kind of attack sort of Corey's um, what was it the, the fight to win the war mm. um, or the fight to avoid the war Corey Clippenston um, I don't know it's just sort of stuff that I've been thinking about lately there's um, an interesting thing happening I've again I'm no expert I haven't followed it that closely but watching what's going on and the whole BRICS making this active play to move away from the US dollar I found that I've been quite curious about that because what's going on there is what I once upon a time thought we'd see the adoption of Bitcoin so I feel like we're getting a little favour here from these world powers where we're actually seeing what what it might look like when large influential countries move away from the world's reserve currency Um, so it's going to be very interesting how that plays out because it seems a very hard push you know there's Again, you don't always know what to believe, but you see all these things coming out about, you know, they're, they're transacting oil and, and other currencies instead of USD, um, and then BRICS is expanding, and they're all getting involved, and there's chat of a gold-backed currency and all sorts of stuff, and Bitcoin's out of the conversation in that, so it's almost like we're getting this little preview of what what happens in the world and how and how the powers that be will struggle to retain their power when others are trying to move away from it um so i'm quite curious to watch how that situation plays out because yeah it's inter- it'll be interesting how the u.s reacts to all of that yeah i, I don't know man it's um <laughs> yeah again I, I live i live in two worlds you know one is it's all good and the other is yeah it's all going to shit um <laughs> and i don't know it's kind of fun though to see the, co- the crossover between them and I could imagine how I can only imagine how challenging it would be if you only knew the, the you know the negative one, and that's I think that's pretty standard right yeah, now. Yeah, that and that frightens me. I have a friend who just gets really deep in all that stuff, and I don't see him that often. But when I do, have you seen this? And have you seen? Oh, mate, what's everything's going to shit? Blah blah blah. And just like, man, I don't know how you live like this, like. Like, you're right, I, I tend to just shut it out. I'm like, you know what, heads down in the things I'm interested in focusing on my immediate life at hand, um, getting heavily involved in Bitcoin, I've got my day job and the kids and all these things going on, and you, there's enough there to occupy the mind. And so, I've, you know, my thing I've been 
think he's getting sick of me when he does see me because I keep plugging away and I'm like, how does this impact you today? Like when you go to work today, come home, you've got two daughters, you do this, you do that. Like all of these things you're complaining about, American politics and all these these kind of things that you, that you say are going on, how is it actually impacting you at a local level? And is, I'm trying to apply the message to them, man, you're just putting your life on hold to waste time on this. Like focus on what's going around, going on around you. If one of these political implications that you're so wound up about enters into your local economy and your local life, then yeah, get it, address it, challenge it, do what you got to do. But when this is all the politics in another country, God, what are you doing, man? You, you know, I, I just realized that it's almost the opposite of self-sovereignty because you're almost just, you're, you're just watching it happen through your computer screen or your phone. Yeah. And it's like, it's an abstraction. And if you just assumed that it's it's all fake news and none of that stuff's real and actually everything's all good like would that would that change anything or if you assume that it's 10 times worse than what they say would that change anything like because you can't do anything about it you're just watching it but you have no you have no sovereignty you have no uh agency you can't change Mm. that outcome Mm. the only thing you can change is is yourself and so in a way that's sort of like a stoic uh, philosophy you know mm. just let the the machinations of the world do what they will and you can you know doesn't matter because what, what does marcus aurelius say like soon no one will even remember your name you, you know like it, we all return to dust eventually and so the best you can do is sort of stay humble and stack sats in the meantime but <laughs> yeah. um it, it's not i mean the corruption of politics and society is is eternal um it just so happens that we've got uh, media that's really trained to to bring that to your attention Mm -hmm. now and in a way perhaps that's the control mechanism like keeping people impotent because i would argue that a lot of these people who watch the news all the time and that they've never stood up for anything in their life probably like if you if you're so worried about it, go and do something about it. Yeah, that was a couple of discussions I've got heated, but that was my one of my lines at the end. Or what do you what can you do about it? Seriously, well, no, and what? he's like, don't be facetious, sort of thing. And I'm like, no, but no, this is a serious question. What could you possibly do about it? And if there's something you could do about it, why aren't you doing it? Well, that's the thing because I think they can be taken negatively. Like, well, what do you you know what can yeah. you you know what can yeah. you do about it? Because I get that they're kind of you know buddhist kind of you know limperist thing right it's like i oh, don't don't do anything you can't change anything it's like no actually fuck you i'm gonna go and do something about it and so mm. that thing that i'm gonna do is i'm gonna start a business i'm gonna do this i'm gonna skill skill upskill myself i'm gonna change my out the outcome for me and my family and infl- mm. you know positively influence the world around me um i can do that and that's mm. sort of like self-improvement which is quite a common theme uh, and in, mm. uh, in, in, in the Bitcoin world, in, in a funny way, people talk about how it sort of you, it makes you into a better person. You strive to mm. learn. Well, I've seen that firsthand. Yeah, I'm living. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. changed me completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it's sort of that. That's that, I think that's the the real insight. Mm. And so maybe this is a renaissance of rediscovery of of philosophy of. Um, some form of stoicism combined with pragmatic action um mm. you know get shit done um and don't 
dwell because if you're not happy with it because that, that's the control mechanism you know it's just the repeated media the the narration the narrative mm. telling you what to think and what to believe and it's funny that's like uh was it neuro-linguistic programming the, the the repetition of words or phrases they get into your brain mm. i don't know when was the last time you watched mainstream news man do you know what not for a long time and god i couldn't be better for it like and actually it was a real eye-opener because i last year we talked about this at length but last year i went um through a separation and i went and uh, stayed while i was uh, sorting out the situation and buying my own house i stayed in an apartment on my parents property for four months until i brought my own place and moved and got got things sorted and uh they watch the news every night and it drove me crazy um you know i go in there and help them cook dinner or whatever and six o'clock news would come on and i couldn't help it i was like oh you guys still watch the news like they're like yeah like blah blah and then i'd be doing stuff in their kitchen and that and it would it would it would rack me up like i'd be hearing it and i'd be like oh turn it put something else on you know like you can't you can't block it out unless yeah, you're like, and, like, and then I even noticed that they weren't enjoying it. They want to watch every night and they'd, they'd debate with me thick and thin that they're not going to turn it off. They're going to keep watching it. And yet they're sitting there complaining the whole time. Like, <laughs> complaining about this, complaining about that. And just, it was just insane. And I was a bit, a little bit um, s- sneaky with some attitude. Like I, uh, my mum's uh, family were all from the Netherlands. And at the time there was the, the big, farming processes were happening in the Netherlands which wasn't on the news and I knew all about that I'd seen it down the feed and all that and so I couldn't help myself like I came in I went in one night to get some dinner and the news had just finished and I was like oh there was, there was a thing about the Netherlands on because I knew my mum would be interested in that she's like what thing and I was like was there nothing about the Netherlands on the news and she was like no and I was like oh I've seen a thing today it's big news in the Netherlands huge protests They're motorways are blocked up the farmers are all she's like what and I was like yeah it's like big and then I just held up my phone and showed her a little clip of something going on that she was like oh my god and then she's onto her computer and she's messaging all her relatives and the needlers she's like I can't believe what's happening I can't believe it she goes why wasn't that on the news <laughs> and I was like what's what I'm telling you guys man it's selective yeah <laughs> you know it, it's interesting like now that I I mean I, I never I never watch the news and, and every now and then maybe I, some, some something gets linked to me it's sort of um, you know an article or something on, on mainstream media and I sort of reluctantly maybe you know happen to open it up and I just can straight away I just my eyes laser through the bullshit and I'm like yeah what's the narrative here like what mm. you've got this thing you know but what are you trying to say because it's it's all messaging now and it's public relations and it's yeah um, it's just PR and that's what I don't like about it because you I think you've said this to me before. When you when you read the news now, you're not just reading or watching. You're trying to figure out what the news really is. Because you're like, okay, so you get the narrative up front of the what the message is that they want you to get, but you're trying to look for the actual fact of what has occurred here. You're not that interested in their opinion or the narrative. You want to make up you want to come to those conclusions yourself, even if you agree with them. Um, and so you're constantly, when you watch these things, you're actually, you find yourself, so what, what is this? Like, what actually happened? 
like it's just it's it's almost like a, a searching exercise now when you want to find that's out about current events trying yeah. to figure out the truth well that's that's the thing and, and i think new zealand is still and and you know your your parents and 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 sort of that generational you know my parents and that like they, they still i think have this trust you know it's kind of been grandfathered mm. in and they think oh you know of course channel one news it's it's the news right um but mm. honestly the <laughs> the bullshit is so thick um like the New Zealand Herald did some stuff on that um, uh, Dasset, you know, um, the issues yep, with yep. with that, and you know, just the you know the, the amount of bullshit and the conflating it with you know the risk of Bitcoin and uh, you know, and it's like man, I expect more, you know, like mm. I, I, I'm we sure talk about that article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like man, yeah, ch- that was a mess. Chat GPT could have done a better job of summarising yeah, this, you know, yeah, like, just yeah, I. I read that article too and I was just about screamed in frustration. I was just like, man, this is really unhelpful to your average person who doesn't understand any of this. Like they don't, you know, they just hear all these different buzzwords around crypto and they just put it all together and this is just this one entity, this one thing and they just don't, well, it just chopped and changed from different concepts and and things to others and just conflated it all together and I was just like, this is, this is right. They talked all about data and then, they gave a rundown of what private keys are. And I was like, this is ridiculous because this DASA was a custodial, a non-custodial exchange. Like these, I, if, correct, if, I could be sorry, wrong Sorry, it was custodial. So they so DASA have custody. They had people's assets, yeah. Yes. So people using that service do not have or do not have to have private keys in a situation like that. And yet half the article is explaining, explaining the concept of public private keys and how that works. And yet the headline in the article is about DASA, where that's not involved, unless you withdraw, I guess. Well, if you had withdrawn, you wouldn't have lost it. Yeah. And so I was like, what? They're making out like, this is, oh, man, I just, yeah, I, I was got very frustrated reading that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it didn't really make sense. Um, but I, I think the bigger idea here, which I was, I was thinking about just uh, the other day as well, you know, say, you know, you talk about China, for example, and, you know, people are quick to criticize and say, well, China's undemocratic or blah, blah, blah. But people don't realize, I mean, China is a, is a democracy. Um, you, you vote for your village uh, representatives and then they vote for, you know, the, the party, uh, you know, the local, you know, kind of regional uh, representatives. And, you know, every, every Tom, Dick and his dog is a member of the Communist Party. And it, it, they are elected in that, you know, regard. Mm-hmm. It's sort of... Uh, that side of democracy which is kind of the superficial side of voting and it's like the true i mean i think what we conflate with democracy you know the ability to vote what we actually associate with it is the ability to um think outside of the box and think outside of that system Mm. and entertain ideas beyond the party and the problem i have with the current media political situation is you know we've got david seymour we've got the greens we've got to party maori we've got the national like We've got all of these actors, you know, next up, it's the ACT Party or whatever, but those are the options. And if you actually came in and said, well, you know, I think we should just throw this whole system out and go with the Bitcoin standard, that's heresy, even in New Zealand. And you can't have that conversation. And so for mm-hmm. me, it's like we're we're in the same boat as the Chinese. You know, they can't talk about, you know, a party other than the party. And we can't talk about a government other than the government. And mm-hmm. so... I don't. I, don't, yeah, I think it's we, not far removed at all. We it's need to get. We, yeah. You know, we're on a high horse, and um, mm. what I like. I mean, I mean, we're free to have these conversations, so at least there's a bit of freedom there. But 
it's like in the mainstream it's certainly not you know mm. we're, we're not having a national discourse about this sort of the nature of our governance yeah it's a difficult conversation to have because yeah you, you try to talk with people about that sort of thing and they think that you're promoting some kind of anti-democratic like a, a fascism or a um, dictatorship situation or something they most people can't even comprehend that maybe there's something else completely from all of this um and there's actually uh, a book i just read uh cannot stand home he spoke about it in there like you know we talk about we speak of democracy in glowing terms because the reference was the, a feudal system before that or you know um and so yes it was a great it's a great leap forward because because all of a sudden the people had a say in who who's going to be it's not hereditary anymore um and so from from that contextual background it's fantastic but actually what's next like why do we assume that that is you've reached some sort of pinnacle here you know we didn't know that that was possible until we found it and did it so what's next we don't know what's possible until we find it and do it and there's there's you know we, as we believe as bitcoin there's a better way to do it um was that everything divided by 21 million uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that one because I've now just gone straight into another book by him as well. But I'm pretty sure it was that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember the quote. I've probably highlighted it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what it's like. I mean, you, uh, you can read a whole book and you got all of this sort of knowledge and this kind of network of this lattice of knowledge. That it's like who 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 was the author and like who are the characters and stuff. Yeah, like. I don't know how people remember that. So like, I'm, you've been talking about the sovereign individual a lot lately because you just read it. And now I'm like actually jealous because I read it like a year ago and I can't remember all the bits and pieces of it. And so yeah. you keep bringing up these great things and I'm like, oh, damn it. You wish um, you could just commit that thing to memory word for it. Yeah. I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, it is uh, a legacy power structure and the media and the political system kind of uh, feed into that. And, and something interesting I read uh, somewhere, it was like, you know, you know, we're coming into an election in a couple of months and... Um, you know, you got polls, right? Come out all the time. You know, who's who's um, who's leading? You know, um, who's who's the most popular prime minister? And there was this thing that it's like the, the polls are not there to let you know what people think. They're there to tell you what to think. Because if you see that your favourite party is um, starting to to lose, you know, traction, and they can make these numbers up, you might think, oh, actually, maybe their votes are waste. Maybe I'm going to put it somewhere else. Mm. And so, you know, say you're you're after a, a minor party. And your party isn't going to look like it's going to hit the five percent mark. You're yeah. not going to waste your vote. So your self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah, and that's why the the news, yeah. the Colmar, uh, Colmar Brunton polls, and that they're all bullshit. You know, like you go and ask twenty people on the street in Wellington. Yeah, New Zealand's going to be a green paradise with no cows and no sheep for the rest of time. You go and ask twenty people in the countryside, and they'll say. You know, Wellington mm. will be underwater, and we'll be, um, you know, we'll just be keeping mm. keeping on doing what we're doing. I remember about would have been around to, uh, 20, 2014 or twenty seventeen election, and I was reading some poll stuff, and then I look was researching online on how they do these polls, and I'm, hopefully it's changed now, but even then it was still largely landline based. Who's got a landline, man? I know, and I at the time, I mean, it's even even less now I'm sure they must have changed the approach but I was just laughing uncontrollably reading about this being landline based and I thought how can these polls be accurate you've got a certain demographic of people still 
using landlines. So you, this is going to be massively skewed numbers if you're just ringing landlines. That's just crazy stuff. Um, another thing I always crack up about the polls is they'll they'll bring out some polls and then they'll hit up the politicians about what they think about the polls and they'll straight away talk about their internal polling and how it's slightly different so they're not worried about that. It's like, hang on. So you guys are running internal polling that you reckon is way better than this. And yet we don't get to see that. <laughs> yeah. And it's for your purposes and it's great. You know, but you've obviously got some pretty efficient, awesome internal polling systems going on that's telling you better information than we're getting. And so you're dismissing the information that we're publicly getting. Yeah, well, you know what they're doing. Um, and uh, the, the current Labour government is, is a representative of this, but they um basically A-B testing everything. And so they have their, their people, you know, that they go and talk to and they're like, okay, so... And, you know, especially during the COVID era, if we did this, how would you feel if we did? And but if we did this instead, mm-hmm. this other thing, how would you feel? And that was what drove their entire response. Mm. And oh, so they just blow with the wind. And and that, that is exactly what yeah. it is. And the best, best, most ridiculous example of that is the removal of GST from fruit and vegetables. Because anyone with any interest in the financials in their party said all along that this is not something you should do. And now they've all flip-flopped, except for that one fellow that's now going out of government because he was voices of thing. But, but yeah, there's nothing compelling about that policy there's except no... that they've done that polling-type activity and thought that's going to give us a better chance to win the election. That is the single reason for that policy. And and that's want, insane. And if you want to know something dangerous, what, <laughs> what I see, and so this is for real, what I see as a possible reality in my matrix of ideas here is that you know we every single politician on, on the table you know out, out there at the moment is is, is wishy washy flip flop no spine right that's that's just the way it is and we can kind of bitch about mm. that but what actually gets problematic is when you then have a strong a strong man come in who's got a vision for a country because we've seen what that looks like before and so in a way they're kind of you know they're they're, they're, they're blowing with the wind. And everyone's sort of on, on, on eggshells trying to be careful and saying the right thing. But then when the right person comes along and, and they may be the wrong person in a sense, they're the strong mm-hmm. man, that's when they say, all right, they, then they sweep up the votes and they sweep up the system and then they reform the system to make sure that they can stay in. And that's when you enter yeah. into the fascist phase of democracy. That's right. You're and right. that happens. You know, China used to be a democracy too. Um, and it doesn't... It's almost a reaction to no vision, no national vision, no direction to have that sort of thing. That is the cycle. That is the cycle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. And, and I mean, I don't know. Like, it's is it, is it could it happen in New Zealand? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it could. If anyone was going to do it over the last forty years, it would have been Winston. He was kind of that guy who sort of put himself in that position. You know, he was heavily entrenched in the National Party and got out of that um, and went on his own thing. And I think that's probably what he always potentially saw happening, but he never just never quite made it. But even then, I mean, in every man, you know, sort of the folk, folk yeah. hero um, who who could speak and has principles. And if people start latching on to that, then they can do no mm. wrong. And I think in a way, Jacinda had that appeal early on. You know, she was the anointed she one. She did, actually. She, she, yeah. she had it. But the problem was that, they were still wishy-washy, and so the, the kind of the appeal wasn't backed up by 
um, you know, an actual vision and a pathway. But mm. and as the economy starts to tank and we start losing things, um, you know, the nice to have things start mm. disappearing from the shelves um, because this country's going bankrupt. That, you know, yeah, that type of person you describe often has early success, which is what brings the trust to turn bad later and yeah. let it run. Um, and yeah, I think. <laughs> a big part of what they do those sort of brave strong leaders I guess is they will put in a policy that's not popular but works and so they'll do something and people won't like it and then it'll work and people will like it and your average politician is never going to put in a policy that's not popular or is going to be too actually better phrase it is too unpopular um, and so they'll, they'll just not go down that path um but I get. I mean, that's what we've seen with Trump. That's what Trump was. He was that guy who came in, and a bu- whole bunch, and whole portion of America were like, "This isn't. That's never going to happen." The system. We're yeah. sick of that system. This guy is saying the right things. He wants to do the right things. It's going to work. And they loved him. And then you that the system fought very hard to keep him down. They didn't always succeed, but they did a lot of the time, and yeah. they are right now, it seems. Well, um, and, I mean, the polls didn't predict that either. People were laughing about well, yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. The uh, Yeah, it was truly laughed at, and it was just because of that, the, the incorrect polling, really. It was such a massive shock, and he won. That caused more division. Um, yeah, but, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was an attempt to come. I mean, he did was the president for four years but he didn't get to the point of corruption we've kind of described but you've seen that in lots of places i mean what's who was that guy venezuela chavez was it you know he came in and they loved him and then he did all that stuff and then he handed over to the next guy and it's just fallen to crap i mean even if they succeed the success is built on this one individual how do you hand that over (laughs) you can't you know it's a path to destruction yeah it's um I don't know, Matt. No, I still, I, th- I think there's a lot we can learn from history here, um, and and I think there's also a lived experience which is quite different. I mean, we're talking about stuff here that you walk down Lambton Quay and 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 people look at you strange if you you start talking about this kind of stuff. And you know, New Zealand is just the way it always was. Um, you know, mm. everything's going to be right. You know, she'll be right, mate. Um, and especially if you work for the government, it might seem like it's rosy from the inside. Maybe some of your contractors and people on the fringes are starting to lose their jobs. But for the people who are, you know, full-time salaried employees for the government, you know, life is good. You know, you, maybe your favorite cafe has shut down and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But you're not seeing the decay of the actual mm. nation state of New Zealand which I, I believe is taking place right now and especially with the destruction of the rural sector with some of the submissions trading stuff you know and kind of um, Hewaka uh, Ekenoa you know and, and basically saying you know we're going to make it impossible to farm beef and dairy and, and um, you know make it difficult for agriculture like New Zealand was built on the back of cows and you know cows and sheep. Mm, it does frustrate me. And, and it's like, what are we going to do? We're going to suddenly mm. make silicon uh, transistors and, and and integrated circuits or something mm. like? Where, where's the infrastructure for building anything? And I saw some data about our. You know, we're really good on scales of already of um, of our farming have less impact on our environment than in other countries. We're in the top one of the top countries for this stuff, and yet we're still. Is pressing this? away at this and I wonder again it's 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 all the ideas are great but the execution is going to be awful for so many and 
what I'd love to see is some some benefits analysis. Like what what is all of this gonna have? Uh, what 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 is what is making farmers' lives difficult? Going what is going to be the net positive impact on our environment? And so I like the waterways argument. You know, I, I, I'm really quite passionate about work to, to ensure our waterways are in a good state because they've deteriorated badly and there is issues there. But man, if we're imposing massive regulation to stop cows farting, etc., um, you know, what is going to be the measurable benefit on the world's climate from that, from New Zealand doing that? It's virtually nothing. And so I just, I just worry about all this stuff. You know, you have to make sure people well-being is okay first and then do do these things um well that's um again i'm not an expert in this area i don't uh, want to speak yeah. out of turn. <laughs> no, no, no. i mean look it, it's um i'm reminded of victor frankl who said um you know if you've got a why you can put up with almost any how and um i think that's sort of the question right why what what is our what is the vision for for us here uh, more broadly you know these islands of new zealand you know, what, what is this country? I, I don't think that's a conversation that anyone's really looking at because everything I see um, in the media is around breaking it up and destroying any sense of an identity. And, um, you know, I used to kind of, you know, feel like I was part of a country, but certainly at the moment, I think, fuck you guys, like I'm doing my own thing with the Bitcoin crew. Um, I, I have friends all over the world. I speak a couple of languages and I'm privileged to be in that position. But, um you know, especially what's happened over the last few years um, and some of the just outrageous policies and um, the, the representation of mm. what I, 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 you know, I grew up in the country, so I, what I think New Zealand is um, and what, you know, I'm being told it is, is two different things. Um, it's like, we're at war, are we at war with Eurasia or East Asia? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Get that feeling with I, the current. You know, like... Stuff, eh? Um, and that's where, I mean, maybe, we, you know, the right person emerges who's just a wholesome, um, you know, down-to-earth uh, person who's like, look, guys, we've got some work to do. Let's knuckle down. I, f- I feel like the right person is all the Bitcoiners. Yeah. Well, the stuff I you're, the stuff a, you're saying a, makes me sound like, man, I'd vote for you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Bitcoin is the groundswell from underneath. Excuse the pun. I'm not trying to relate back to the farmer's uh, plight, but... Um, man i feel like the best thing to do is to study bitcoin build things in bitcoin develop the bitcoin circular economy and watch it fly and the rest of new zealand will come into it and you know i feel like we'll preserve a great country through that coming up from the bottom yeah, man, because that's the thing at the end of the day, I mean, I, some of my other, you know, my, my talk with Darcy and that, you know, it may come across and, and even stuff I've said today may come across like, you know, I'm not interested in New Zealand, but certainly if there's a way where where there's, you know, we could, you know, bring back, you know, this kind of golden childhood of mine where it's sort of <laughs> ice cream on a Sunday, go down to the beach, you know, um, life is good. Um, you know, there's no color, race, or cre- you know, creed. We are just, you know, these southern islands. I mean, that's a beautiful place. Which I, mm. if we could get back to that, it'd be great. I don't know. Things never seem to go back the way they were. I was just gonna say, <laughs> we can get, we can get something 
like that that's new and different you what know was that? someone said a great saying or a really great saying and i'm so i'm so bad for not being able to quote properly and then forgetting who said it but something about you can never swim in the same river twice because oh, Her- you're heraclitus is it yeah because you're a different man and it's a different river yeah yeah, yeah something like that and i was like man that's good i love that yeah that's um yeah. heraclitus uh ancient uh ancient uh philosopher uh, one of one of the ancients who uh, passed on much wisdom to us. But hey, Paul, I appreciate this. Uh, this is really a bit of banter today. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, catch up again soon. Yeah, we will have to catch up again soon. I'll come on again soon and talk about the upcoming Big Kiwi events. Yeah. We've got some more planning. We got um, two two months away from our next one in Auckland, and then Queenstown in February, which is going to be quite exciting. We're getting into a bit of planning with that too what are your dates just in case and- yeah so we're t- uh, 28th of october auckland 2 p.m at the moment where our venue is brothers beer mount eden um we're working on a plan b venue. so they're, they've been a victim of the government's uh, financial the- uh, mismanagement or is it their own own accord oh, I, don't, <laughs> I can't speculate on the details but brothers they've been very accommodating for having our event okay. we love brothers beer okay um, we love their yeah. I have just read in the news that their company's gone into liquidation. They have a number of venues, and this particular venue is still open and remaining open. I see. But we will create a backup plan because we don't quite know. Um, but all things going well in their liquidation, they carry on. Um, but what will not change is the date and the time, October 28th, 2 p.m., definitely in Auckland. Um, we'll confirm as soon as there is, if, if there's any change. And then... Uh, uh, Bit Kiwi 8 will be February 17th, 2024 uh, in Queenstown and that'll be 1pm to 5pm. Uh, we have just confirmed the venue Venue is um, Yonder and we've also locked in a couple of speakers we'll talk about later um, and we're working on some other details around it. So get, actually getting pretty excited about that. We're going to organise probably something the day before and the day after, make it a bit of a weekend thing bit of a bitcoiners pilgrimage to queenstown which would be should be super fun um so yeah that's that's on the horizon and we started tentatively mapping out Bit bitkiwis nine and ten for next year oh. as well so yeah yeah um might have gosh i don't know how much i should say actually well, but well yeah we'll we're put, talking about potentially yeah. bitkiwi halving party april 2024 okay could be on the card so we'll uh, make announcements as we start to plan things well thank you man alright much appreciated yeah, cheers Cody thanks, thanks. thank you for listening I do hope you enjoyed the show I am Cody Ellingham and that was the transformation of value if you'd like to get in touch please send me an email at hello at the transformation of value dot com and I will get back to you